0: Hello and welcome to the Candle of Tales podcast. This is a very special episode of the time we got to go out west over the summer. A couple of months ago, we travelled out to Andrés de Stáck to sit down and have a chat about all things mythological, folk-related and music-related. We had a story from him in the last episode and this is the good long chat we had in his caravan. Stay tuned till the end of the episode to hear what's coming up for us and all our links are below in the description. Thanks, guys. Welcome to a very special episode. We are here in County Clare with one of the greatest, a Gaelgore, a Shanachie, a shy talker, a playwright extraordinaire, a linguist extraordinaire, a gardener, a forester. He's he's sorted out lockdown because he's here in the heavenly square of C- County Clare, and jeez, he's only looking at the fairy fort over there and river run by him, and jeez, there's we'll sea next to him and everything. You're also a TG Car presenter, and I mean, look, we just listened to a fantastic story, and it'll be on well various platforms, so you can listen to that. Andreas Stack, welcome to the Candle Tales podcast.
1: Thanks, Aaron. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for coming down. You're very welcome. To be here Thank once. you for having us.
0: Uh, no, we had a bit of a sound issue. Apologies for that. So hopefully you can hear us loud and clear. We're going to get talking about a few different things. Now, Andreas, your background. I want you to just tell us, summarise your life for us there really quickly, can you?
1: Ooh,
2: (laughs) an ongoing journey.
0: (laughs) I know. I mean, how you found the way you tell stories.
2: Like, Um, I don't know. I suppose um, I was a musician, and I'm still a musician, and I always love playing music. You know, I mean, in 1993, I went up to Dublin to see Nirvana, so I was, you know, grunge musician in secondary school. Uh, around that time, there was a kind of an exciting music thing in the West Coast. You had, I suppose, the stunning, who was, you know, in time Tymon and Donegal were playing in Galway Town with Martin O'Connor and the accordion. Sharon Shannon had come up from County Clare to play with the Waterboys. There was a band of crusties called the Big Geranium. So it was kind of a raggle-taggle thing. So I got into the fiddle as well. And then my dad is from Clare. My mum's from Mayo. So I always had a fairly West of Ireland identity. But um, my father was a writer and a storyteller, and, but, but that wasn't really on my radar until um, I travelled a lot as a musician, as you do, you know, there was like the 90s, but when I fell out, of, when I came out of college in 98, where I went to college in 98, so you know, we were always playing music in the pubs in Mayo and Galway and coming down to Milton Malbay for the summer sessions. Yeah,
0: yeah, the festival in Milton Malbay. Oh, I even knew that before I went to Milton Malbay. I oh, bought yeah. a bit
2: of carpet. Bought a carpet, Bought a a carpet. You know, so yeah I was always doing, I loved the small towns and places. I, I don't know, like I suppose what I remember about, lots of. I suppose I should mention at this time there was a lot, you know with the trad music in the 90s and the, the millennium and the Celtic Tiger, there was a lot of drinking and smoking going on and I enjoyed being a kind of a, I don't, it's hard to look back at that time of your life, your, your mid-twenties and I suppose I was was maybe an animated character but but I don't know, sometimes when I was too drunk, maybe I was showing off, or maybe other times, but, but what I remember was, I like, got great joy and as all young Irish people particularly do, you know that everyone loves talking about the weekend, and I'd always be telling about the adventures, like, we were there, and we were in the middle of this tune, and we were just gone from coolies reeling to the wise maid when in comes this crusty with a bag of crisps and inside stated the crisps was magic mushrooms and we ate them and <laughs> all, then out came the Jembe Bongo drum and the pub took off and then the undertaker came down and we were out digging a grave. So I always loved <laughs> it was basically the advent the misadventures and the adventures. I was always able to tell those stories. Right. And I always remember, you know, on a Tuesday, you know, being in company or being in a bar or whatever, talking about the weekend or some other misadventure which was usually around a flak old or so I suppose I loved the whole if I could misuse the word mythology of that, or the the crack, I suppose. Yeah. I loved, you know, the way, I, you know, and it's so boring now when people come up to you and they go, oh, we drank a bottle of vodka and then we went to the beach. You go, no, not interested. But I suppose when I was 20, it was interesting. So yeah. that's when I first remembered that there was something and people used to say, oh, you should be a comedian. And I was going, oh, no, no. Because I, I felt that that's, you know, for me, stand-up comedy was something that was very US or UK. It didn't resonate with, where I was with the music and folklore of the West of Ireland. But it wasn't until in 2006 I had been living in Melbourne for a year or two and I'd given up drinking drugs. So I left that lifestyle. And I was coming back to Ireland and I was when you would meet Irish people and they'd say to you, will you have a point? I said, no. And I had a big, long story to tell them everything that happened as to why I wasn't going to, you know what I mean? Because everyone goes, I'll buy you one. I go, no. I don't want one. <laughs> you buy me one. I'm going to need a hundred more. Who's yeah. going to buy a yeah, hundred yeah, yeah, Not yeah. you. So I had these stories about, you know, I'm losing my violin and a fire, losing my laptop, losing my mind. I had this story, but within that story, there was things. For example, like there was a while when I was getting sober, I was in Melbourne, and there's a big Greek population, for example, and I was getting food off the Greeks. I was playing in a Greek restaurant, and instead of the Greeks. They like to the drink, but not as much as the Irish. They like the food and then the drink. So I was just having the food and leaving the drink, and I was eating goat and lamb and souvlaki, and I was learning how to cook with herbs. And I'd started as a waiter, and they thought it was funny, Andreas. Andreas meant the Megale race. you know. Yeah, yeah. They thought it was hilarious that there was an Irish guy, with a Greek name. An Irish guy who didn't drink, they thought that was
1: hilarious. Of course it did, yeah, 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 And then yeah.
2: I was like, mood, like, is the food nice? And I'd be, yeah, and they'd, go, and they'd be saying to each other, yeah, he, he thinks the food is nice because he, he hasn't eaten because I was so skinny. <laughs> so yeah, of course, course, I was six months off the beer and I'd been homeless before that. It, it deflated like... Yeah. <laughs> so I was eating the lamb and the goat and they were cooking it with rosemary and sports and It was just delicious. <laughs> and also, my I just grabbed the... Sorry for crossing the camera. Oh, yeah, there you I go. just... Um,
1: this is probably all oh, true. Yeah. But
2: my dad plays Greek bouzouki. I'm mean, like my father had toured America with Peddy Keane and Tommy Peoples playing bouzouki, So So when I was it's in beautiful. the Greek yeah. Look that, the so when I was in the Greek restaurants, I was playing like Greek music on the fiddle and learning, learning. I mean not very well. But there was a bit of that going on, it started to resonate with me. So so I basically I came back to the West War in two thousand and six and I had all these great stories. As to how I give up the drink, and it was, it kind of fell like you know, the way you guys do The Void of Mel Doon or one of these, yeah, it yeah, became yeah. this kind of epic. And of course, typically, as the self absorbed, self obsessed person that I am, um, forward slash was then, <laughs> I, I was the hero of the tale. Of, of course, form. the hero's journey, but. but you have to also accept that, like in Ireland, like there is in our f- folklore and certainly in the songs, there was often these songs. The big ones ones like where they go like say there's a sound that goes like <laughs> With my one lane on my shoulder shall lady in my hand I'll ramble the bushes of Australia like a throwborn Irish man and it goes on about these guys who's a convict and he but he comes back to Ireland with a load of money. So imagine being sent out to Australia as a convict and coming home with a load of money and go and we worked up on the railway and down to Ballarat and some of us grew mighty thin and some of us grew fat and I walked <laughs> down to Gila or whatever then, um, the gold rush all the way I made my fortune in a night and drank it in a day yeah. <laughs> all this kind of shit and then the other's had a version of it that was like what a way and a bit And a bong in my hand all ramble right, well, the British Australia like a true born native man so there was a lot of Irish that stayed there and their songs converted over to the, yeah, the Australian bush yeah, ballad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And again, I suppose I was interested by Henry Lawton and Banjo Patterson. <laughs> Banjo Patterson had written these. There were bush poems and there was something about the poems and the storytelling of people like Henry Lawton and Banjo Patterson, the Australian bush poets, that was very much of the people. It was mm. in the vernacular. You yeah, know, yeah. I, I, here we often associate poetry, like you're doing it for the Levenson. Even though Yeats is Irish, it was very much a kind of a hierarchy that this was, yeah. this was poetry, this was
1: art, this was theatre. You it's know, a, it's a different register of language. You don't, mm. t- you don't need your fuck, you need your Sunday words for that shit. Like yeah, you don't need exactly, your everyday yeah. words.
2: So I, I suppose traveling and particularly getting sober traveling, on the way home, I was picking, I was starting to resonate with the poetry and the storytelling of the bush, in Australia, but also because it's um, it, there was so much Irish and second and third generation Irish mm. and you could hear Irish-isms, like there was the story about Clancy from the overflow and you know the big horse that broke out. There was all these stories and they were about fucking horses and bushfires and lads camping out in the bush. And to me, they resonated with the backpacking yeah. that I was at. But, and I, I kind of had this theory that the, those of us that left for Australia in 2003, 2004, we left in the downtimes, you know? Yeah. So, like, I was out there 2006-2007, so it was kind of a case where, like, um, I felt that the backpacker was the convict of today, you know? Yeah. Because there was no work for us here in Ireland. People yeah. People didn't give you a shite whether you had a degree or not. You were just you just had to go. Some people probably made more money that went to United Arab Emirates or some people had connections in America, but
1: a lot of us just went to Canada and as Australia. It's a kind of exile that it we keep a bit of an exile, kind of repeating yeah. in Ireland. Because we, yeah. we yeah. do we do it every time there's a recession. on cool. It's, yeah. it's 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 the exile return. Like that's why that the I think that's why the myths of exile and return are so big. So
2: important, yeah. You know mm-hmm. and
1: all the songs about leaving Ireland and how much we miss Ireland that we sing in Ireland. Oh, I mean sing it when we're here, yeah, yeah. yeah. Singing, you 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 feel nostalgic for the place that you're in, like Yeah, before mm-hmm.
0: you've even left it. But I think there there is something really interesting about going away and having your hero's journey, but finding mm-hmm. music being the accompaniment to your storytelling because we kind of did it the other way around in, in and mm. we started telling stories uh, for the love of, of mythology and for the love of, of, of mm. me hearing my sister telling me stories for so long <laughs> yeah. that I realised it was missing the musical element until Roche joined us and, and started playing with us and so we have become mm. music with stories but we put the music in afterwards whereas you kind of had another way around it whereas you had a musical kind of heritage yeah. and much more and I'm often jealous when I like start seeing the trad players and the, and the tunes and the reels and mm-hmm. the jigs and everything that going through, through their veins. like, mm. And it's so interesting to see a, 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 a Shanachie and a storyteller, mm. as you are, find your voice in storytelling yeah. through through music. Just
1: the, the yeah. different starting point, but
0: the similar kind of
2: ending
1: point. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, to be honest, you know, like
2: I was saying, when I was playing music, I felt sometimes there was something missing. Yeah. Right. Like I needed to do more. If that makes sense. Like, I was happy playing the fiddle, and I loved jigs and reels. You know, when I was a kid, like, from my teenage years to the 20s, I'd be playing, and particularly, you know, if you were smoking and drinking. Oh, yeah. If you were drinking alcohol, for example, you're pumping the drink around the body. And if you were smoking queer stuff, you know, you'd think you were Mozart. You were just me. <laughs> so when I quit that, then the other that was inside me had to come out. Yeah. Mm. And I got back to Galway in 2006, and that year there was... um kind of a revolution in the arts where um, there was a platform for local arts because as you kind of know since the Celtic Tiger Galway used before the Celtic Tiger Galway was a great platform for west of Ireland art and the vernacular arts and it kind of changed in the Celtic Tiger time particularly I suppose stuff like the Arts Festival and more recently you've seen the Volvo Ocean Race or the Galway 2020 has kind of Got, got off-beam off from the, mm. the the voice of the West. So I came home that year in 2006, and there was a platform called Project of Six, which was a showcase of um, work from the West of Ireland. Um, and to make the point, there was so much great stuff that this is what needed to be celebrated. And mm. this that kind of stuff, West of Ireland art, is European and international, rather than having to bring in so much stuff. But anyway, I was just lucky. I jumped on stage. There was a thing called... They were having this thing every day at five o'clock called Live at Five, where they would have a shadow singer work with a musician or a poet or a writer work with a harpist or whatever. And they said to me, Monday is free. I was literally just back from Australia, and I said to the guy, I think it was Ali Jennings who was running. I said, Ali, I'll do. And he said, are you, are you doing the musician and who's going to do the stories? Which I said, I've load of stories because in the anxiety, you know, I'd been off the drink for a year, and what I'd done was every day I'd written loads. It wasn't just morning pages. Like if I was out with people, if they started drinking, I would just put it in the book. And also I'd come home from Australia the long way. I had to leave because of visa reasons and I'd come home through Argentina. Oh yeah. I had a friend from Mayo, Mark Duffy from Finney, it's in the Mayo Geltot, just back the road from where I'm from. He he was in Buenos Aires. So I came home to Buenos Aires and Brazil and it was amazing. And coming back that journey, it, it, it was the first time I'd ever circumnavigated the world. So we called the, day, the, the show he was doing, we didn't have a show, it was stories and music from Andrew Stack, and it was called Around the World. No, yeah, like yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 and yeah. I saw
0: that was my first introduction to you in Grange Gorman, the squat oh, yeah. in Dublin, doing that around a fire and just a big group of hippies and, and artsy folk, and uh, you know, yeah. and it was just around a fire and you popped up and sure there was fire spinning over here and there was a few uh, you know heads around there and who brought me down and it was all lovely and was a few balls yeah. and this lad jumps up out of out of the gutter of, of the ensemble you know like yeah. you don't expect it and your man just fuck I'm like what oh, the
2: hell the fuck is let's go on you know <laughs> mind
0: blowing stuff yeah. and just the speed the, the enthusiasm the musicality yeah. of it and the the, the, the cloacal nature of it as well like the fact yeah. that your stories were so like everybody there related to it because it seemed like yeah we're all broke yeah we all love music yeah we all love drinking yeah we're all like you know there was elements that everyone was tapping into and I guess that that's the great aspect of the storyteller is to kind of find something that people can tune into Mm -hmm. but that's anyway that was my first introduction to you when I got excited
2: I (laughs) I heard you that night as well
0: When you did the thaw yeah 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 yeah, it was a great night it was a great night what's
2: fascinating you did and at the end of the thaw you go great bull he let out a roar and he died. And then the other bull stood up. And he let out a roar. And he died too. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of like the, myth, the, the, the moral of the story is, you're going to fucking die. Yeah, <laughs> okay. you know, that yeah. yeah. that's why it's fascinating.
1: That's what we love about. That's what I love about the town Is that like, it's such a war story. And then at the end of it, it's like, and you are left with nothing. And yeah. nothing. Yeah. Because that's what happens when you fight.
0: Yeah, like, There's a moral in myth, right? So this is this is a big point that I want to talk about. So the 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 Tombo the the epic story which is a big war story like you say kind of has a moral it kind you can
1: do you know what I don't know if a moral is the right word because for everybody the nice thing about mythology and the thing that I like about mythology and the reason that we have post show chats that go on for fucking hours after every <laughs> thing that we cut down for pilot. they're a brother
0: and sister (laughs) (laughs) if they're not watching this they probably know nothing if you (laughs) didn't know yeah siblings
1: the reason for that is that there's a there's a there's a depth of meaning in myth so like i can say i think the tawn is an anti-war story if you tell it in a certain way Now, you Mm. can tell it in a different way where it becomes a glorifying war story Mm. myths are like i i i don't like to to say definitively this is what it means Because I think they can mean so many different things to so many different You might people. say
0: they're like an onion
1: No you might not No you might
0: not <laughs> There are many layers
1: You so... might not say they're like an onion Aaron Hegarty, get out <laughs> Myths. Myths
0: are like onions everyone That's what we've decided
1: Yeah, Many layers my... it's very,
0: They're very deep, they grow underground they... Sorry my, <laughs> my, my point
1: being
2: mm-hmm. You get it? You get it? <laughs>
1: exactly okay. yeah they can sting you one way and they cannot say yeah i don't know
2: <laughs> there's
0: a depth of meaning there's in myths. a
1: depth of meaning in myths but i also think the funny thing the, like the interesting thing about myth and and storytelling more generally is myths have a kind of a deep rootedness to them because they're ones that you hear and you go oh i'll have that one i'm gonna tell mm. that one i want to do that my way Mm. And that's that's how they kind of stay in the culture then is because people keep coming back to them and going, oh, I like this one. I
0: read one recently. Uh, it's a book about the Simon or Pierre bought for me, um, written by a friend you met. And he had a quote. Oh, Adam,
1: Adam Wyeth's poetry. Adam book.
0: Wyeth's poetry book. And he he's a page. Adam Wyatt, who is he? Uh, oh,
1: Adam Wyeth is a poet and he has written a book about basically he's, it's collected poetry that references Irish mythology. And he, he pulls out the, the references and, and
0: kind of Discuss them discusses them beautiful. And what I thought he quotes, yeah, yeah, and but he it's quotes them good. First, brilliant, beautiful book. So the first page has a quote from Joseph Campbell and Yeats. And it was I think it's Yeats who said that myths are made at no specific time by nobody and everybody at the same time interesting you know and it's the paraphrasing but like and that's
1: and that's kind of what i like that's what i think is really interesting because there's stories that you tell Mm. and there's stories that like you know as Aaron was saying you're telling a story in a squat in Grange gorman and everybody's connecting to some bit of it yeah and that to me is the start of a myth Mm. and it might you know in a hundred years or a thousand years there's going to be some version of something of mm. circumnavigate you know what I mean like they, there's the, the ways that they ripple and the ways that they change and the ways that they impact people it's not always very clear or very obvious but I mm. think when you put a story out into the world it's like it's like you're starting a circuit or you're connecting mm. to a circuit that was started when we first came up with fucking language and goes on for as long as we will have language Mm. do you know what I mean and the
0: best ones stay essentially and, and or the oldest ones stay well
1: the old, the oldest ones are the best ones because you yeah. keep retelling them that's
2: what I mean <laughs> yeah, we have that with tunes as well yeah right tunes and songs you know they're often they're often not written by anyone they're written by everyone they're not written and the good ones stay because every now and then you hear some older one. you go you do never heard that one before and they go oh yeah that was an old tune blah 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 but like the reasons you know they're classics for a reason yeah. They're standards for reasons. They're oldies and goldies, you know.
0: Mm. And so, in comparison now, no, the story you told, which is a beautiful story of, what's the name of the, the, the town under seat?
2: The village of Kilstefin. Kilstefin.
0: Beautiful story, by the way. Thank you very much for telling us that. I That's a folk tale, right? That's That would be classed as folk. Because, as far as I can see, they're named folk tales because folk tell them about folk that are around them and oh, places yeah, folk that folk tells. go <laughs> to i mean it seems pretty obvious right yeah, no, um,
1: so uh, i i'm reminded of the woody guthrie quote about folk music did you hear that wait he was like i'm often asked about folk music and i always think what is folk music i never heard a horse play music all music is folk music <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, all people like, play music. yeah. yeah. Paraphrasing, <laughs> 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 but yeah, like you've got your you've got your folk tales and you've got mm. your personal stories, and there's I think mm. a lot of overlap between the two. Mm. And then you know your kind of folk tales can bleed into a little bit of magic and a little bit of other world and a little bit of myth, mm. but they're lovely and grounded in that it's like they went to, they went over to this fella who I'm related to, and they didn't go yeah, to that yeah, beach, They yeah, went to that yeah, beach. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're like you're in it then, like think like, I you really? know I I'm
0: in the story with you because it's suddenly. And people would ask me after stories, tell me, it's like, is that real? And I think that's when you tap into the like the, uh, the channeling, the story and people go like, well, yeah, it's as real as you want it to be. Like, yeah. you know, and and would folktales capture that a bit more, I think, because it is that beach. No, not that beach, the other beach. Mm. And it is the two brothers going up to your man down the road and, and, and the name is and the places where you landed. And there's always some level of superstition attached to it a Warning, I, I feel in folk tales that are more explicit, a bit more obvious than myths, which take a bit of unpacking and figuring out. Well,
1: they're they're also they're they're yeah. Like I I I don't want to sound like I'm saying one is. There, I think they're different. I think myths. I don't think they're like onions. I think they're like fucking, you know, sedimentary rock. They kind mm. of accrete layers around them as different people tell them and interpret them and retell them. And I think folk tales have somewhat less of that accretion, but accretion. You know what I mean? When you build up word? a layer of stuff and I then like it gets impacted. Accretion. A C C R E T I O N, I think. Accretion. Accretion.
2: Like concrete, no. Rocks it's getting bigger. Be.
1: You know, it's something accretion. builds up and then something yeah, else Yeah, yeah, yeah and it like kind of morphs a bit or it, yeah. yeah
2: and it slightly changes but not massive changes
1: mm. That kind of thing That's Acreation.
0: I like that too Yeah, I can see the cogs
2: Well, what like I notice on that note between mythology and folktale is that um, in North Clare um, between Nenestoyman and Dooland there was the greatest collection of folktales ever in the world while well, ever in Europe was collected in the 30s And it was collected in the 30s by a man called De who recorded this great storyteller called Stefan, Stefan O'Hillera. Now, there's other storytellers recorded as well. There was a local travelling chimney sweep and there was um, a few other local farmers and fishermen. But the collection was published in the 80s by by Bailages, um, which, as you know, is in UCD in Dublin. It's called Mm. Lower Stefan because the bulk of the stories were from Stefan, Stephen Hillary. And I was actually just looking there to see a copy of it somewhere. I can get it after you can do a photo. But anyway, um, come <laughs> <laughs> on. Anyway, um, what's really interesting is that there's stories in it, some that have come from Greece and Egypt, and they must have come up by the sea. But there's also stories in it that have come from Finland mm-hmm. and way up there. And it's really weird because when I during the lockdown, I was down in the burn and I was doing a walk, and um, the tour guide, more from a geological point of view, he said, oh, the glacier, when it moved across Europe, he said, it actually brought seeds from Northern Europe. So we have plants in the burn. He said that, that you find them in the Antarctic. He said, and also, he said, the wind and the sea have also brought stuff up from Africa. So I thought, wow. But then more wow, the stories that have come. Now, they obviously came like folk tales, as you point out, with people and the movement. And a story from Egypt didn't necessarily come as a Egyptian came up to County Clare and told it, it was no, like no, no. the Cretan, yeah. can I use it? Yeah. But what's really funny is that there's one story in it and the Egyptian version is like, the man, you know, came down from uh, Mount Olympus, because it come, Or the, the Greek version says, you know, he came down from Mount Olympus with blah, 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 and then the Clare version goes, he came over Mount Callan, which is <laughs> over there, you know? So you know, and there's other stories in this collection where they refer to Má, which is in Strand on the Mayo Galway border, near near where I grew up, right? Actually, Má would be the, the the hill behind my house where where I grew up in Mayo. Má would be Strand County Galway. But again, there's references to Má, like where they jumped up on a on a horse, and the horse changed into a plow. And they went and they flew through the sky on a plough and they ended up in Nachma. And it's well-known fairy hill, Nachmá. It's actually Queen Maeve was buried there for a while before they moved her to Sligo. Right. They moved her up to I be- was always
0: wondering why they moved her up to Sligo. Uh,
2: that's a bigger conversation for me. That would
0: be the end of Part 2. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. But anyway, what I, to answer your question about, you know, folk tales and mythology, there's no doubt that some Greek myth yeah. could be there and it could be like 12 nights long, but by the time it goes from boat to boat and boat, it comes up to to Clare, it's a different story and mm. it may have the accretion and it may be a totally different. And it could have like Nachma and Mount Callan where it was like the Sphinx and Mount Olympus. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And they might get longer and shorter and dependent and mix in a few other bits of stories in with them. Because oh, yeah.
0: we are all storytellers. And like, I, I, was only, I was only reading your father's book of, of mm. stories and short stories. And a beautiful the couple. It was just a, a story about you know a couple who break up and they're best friends with another couple and they break up and mm. the and the, the break up story. It was just it was beautifully told. It was beautifully easy to uh, see yourself in and also yeah. I was I was I was half expecting it to be a book of folktales. I was half okay, expecting yeah. it to be. I was like all right no this these are just all right yeah of course of course. Andres the stacks the the Shanachie of Ireland are one of uh, you know his father was. He was a writer. He was a, sto- a storyteller of short stories, of stories mm-hmm. that are very accessible to people and, and yeah. not not going into the magic realism and the, the two of the Dan and the, and the fairies. You don't have to, to be telling stories because you want to. We, we're, we're constantly doing it, you know, we're constantly yeah. projecting and creating stories as we go anywhere. Yeah. So if everyone's a storyteller, then then I guess we're folk tales and, you know, have the real like superstition and the fact that you're bringing in the landscape and the fairy and the magic, and that's yeah. what's kept alive in them. I think is that the I magic. I think
1: I think that's a beautiful thing about the folktale is that it enchants the place that you're in. Mm. Yeah. There's something about myth that always feels a little bit further away. Whether you know what I mean? Like yeah, a that's a valid point. Yeah, long ago and far away when people were giants and Fionn McCool strode across the land. Yeah, with you know chucking boulders around like they were slithers. As opposed to right here, right now, you might hear a bell. Yeah, and don't yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's very, there's a there's an incredible yeah. immediacy to them that is, that's yeah. that's just something really cool. And
0: walking down only your ferry fort down there that we we're just walking mm-hmm. through and having a look around. All of a sudden you feel like my, my spine got tingles on it, walking up into it and going, oh, Jesus, yeah, the land, the land is, is alive. Like, you know, the these trees yeah. are here for a long time and you know, whatever it is, <laughs> fucking Jesus, oh, fucking, ha, oh. you know, you get that excitement and you look out yeah. across, you're looking at the Atlantic Ocean there, there's just eyes have been looking at for thousands of years Oof. from these hills, like, you know, oh. and and just there's just something that kind of goes, In compared to kind of, you know, being up by erigal and Donegal or or down in the, the bloody Ring of Kerry, where you're looking at these, like, maybe, maybe giants did make this landscape. You know, maybe magic was molded almost because they're going into magic mode. But
2: didn't they write a lot of stories to suit those things? Like mm-hmm. isn't there like um you know how we say about the lake in Sligo Litrum where the, the soul of your man is in it, your man's eye is in the bottom of it. Yeah. yeah, and there's another place where there's a rock and it looks like a butter churn was taken out of it or landed into it. It's in one of the stories. It's it's one of those ones where Finn McCool comes home and there's some fella there and he's jealous of this guy. This guy is is talking to his wife. So he picks up the butter churn and he throws it. And lands. And lands. It. And there's, there's some massive rock where there's just a hole in the rock. But obviously people wrote these stories. They told these stories to explain, oh, that's why that's like that. Yeah.
0: And the devil's so, bit down in Cashel.
1: Yeah. Like, the Giant's Causeway is a very and the obvious the Giant's Causeway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All these little geographical places where you're like, well, that's there because. Yeah. Sean McCool had a stroke one day. Yeah, you yeah. get that kind of thing as well. Of of. Phil McCool was basically just like it was just
2: like you know these Bradley Cooper films, The Hangover. <laughs> oh, just a few lads. It's just like an ancient version of Hardy Books. It's just a, a few guys, of guys rambling around. A gang of lads. Rambling. Well, everyone everyone loves those stories. In trouble. They're yeah. great.
0: But so water is a big theme. Obviously, the, the two lads going on fishing and yeah. like I think so much because Ireland's an island. I, he was, we're obsessed with, um, water.
1: And I think there's also there's something about the the water in Irish myth is like the, the passage to the other world. Mm. Like you know those stories of land under wave where it's like if you swim yeah. down far enough you 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 land on earth. Yeah. And yeah, you can yeah. breathe the air and there's people walking around. There's this whole kind of idea of water as like threshold yeah um and like you look out you you know when we were out by the ferry fort looking out at the water and the sun glinting off the water looking like fucking molten silver yeah, it was amazing like the light in the west of ireland every time i come down here i'm like jesus christ oh, I it's like mind. we're. it's like nowhere else This silver yeah. light that you get here that is sure
2: dublin is half an hour behind gmt in london at greenwich meantime we must be another half an hour so we're an hour later Mm. You know, but obviously we're a different time zone, we're a different world here in the West. It coast.
0: feels like a different world, but there's the time zone or not. You enter into a bit of a vortex for sure, because especially
2: of, when you go to the islands, like if you go to Inish yeah. Shear or an Inish Baffin or an Inish Torc, you really yeah. feel, you de- and it's not just the fact that you're, you know, on an island, but you get that that feeling of what, um, you know, you feel closer to that other world. You know,
1: yeah,
0: timelessness yeah. is there, and, and mm. I think that is a very special thing about slowing down and this whole lockdown, this whole epidemic that's going through the world is slowing everything down now when people mm-hmm. have to slow down. And amazingly, Dublin is being kind of evacuated. People are going back to the countryside. It's great. Realising isn't it? that like your, your story here is, is amazing. Like, you know, a fellow who has been, was gigging nonstop, paying extortion rent in Dublin, uh, gigging left, right and centre. Every time, every time I looked at the stage, you were there. Um, there he is again. <laughs> um, i <Germanian. laughs> and, and then all of a sudden you can't go anywhere, so you have to what? Come out here, says you, and plant a garden, you know. Start fishing, a load of mackerel, uh-huh. and cooking for yourself. And all of a sudden, time slows down, but your enjoyment of the little things drastically increases. You know, yeah. and you're not getting the endorphins. You're not getting the. You're not running on endorphins. Well, you're
1: not running on those little dopamine hits uh, and adrenaline of like. You well, know, is that what it is? That's that's what it is, I reckon. It's all these little short term. It's the same with phones and computers. Every time you get a notification, it's a little, little jolt of dopamine into your yeah, brain. Yeah, yeah. To make you sure just go, you know, come back now and be happy. And and when you when that stuff drops away, you just slow right down. Like we were talking about it earlier, the tiredness. Ooh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh.
2: <laughs> put them to sleep. Is it a bedtime story you need now before? Oh. Lullaby. A lullaby. Lullaby. Look at you. Absolutely. you Drive right on to Claire and home. we'll do a podcast this evening. <laughs> I'll just go to sleep. Don't mind me, I'll just curl up in the corner. You've got your STD card. Shh.
1: <laughs> 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 Sick. No, I didn't. We weren't going to say No, we. we sound issues sound, sound issues. issues that was it's the line.
2: that was the party line up there that was the party line I got to tell ocean and room <laughs> <laughs> stop clapping you <laughs> or I'm you. I'm
1: sinking <laughs> up the sensor. <laughs> so uh-huh.
2: uh-huh.
0: oh my god I I
2: um, <laughs> so to answer your question um yeah water is very important and
1: oh, it's yeah, funny be because important.
2: I was on the island of Sicily one summer I got a gig on a anarchist theater ship that was sailing from sicily to tunisia but due to political unrest in tunisia didn't go to tunisia was going to go to malta then didn't go to malta just stayed around sicily no it was great but in sicily you really feel that they're on an island but for and maybe it's because i was there as a tourist and maybe tourists when they've come here but maybe that's because sicily is part of italy mm. do you know what i mean like politically Whereas with us, like we're definitely an island that we're, we're very independent from Europe and Britain. But sometimes we forget, like it's really interesting that on the coast we all eat fish, but the minute you go 10 miles in, you don't eat fish. <laughs> yes. So I find I eat a lot of fish if I'm in Galway town or if I'm up and down the coast in Clare or Mayo. But when I was growing up with say inland, like there was people say near us in Shrewd or Headford or Choam, people might only eat fish once a week. Mm. And there was never anybody's favourite.
1: Yeah, it was what you ate on a Friday when yeah, you could
2: and that meat the catholicism, The men. Catholicism. Like, like it you was were de- punishment you food. Were, yeah, you were depriving yourself. Whereas mm. so I, I find it strange how so many aspects of islandish of, of being of an island like the island of Ireland is knocked out of us. But yeah. you know, politically mm. the way the, the colonizers tried to divide us yeah. and all that. But but also and I find when we get back to the mythology we feel that again. The fact that all of us all over the island share the, the Finn cool story. So many stories are common in different places. Yet, like, it's amazing that we've got the same stories up and down the country and so many of the same tunes. Yet, we all have our own different versions and our own different dialects.
0: Well, it's yeah. I, 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 do, I do think because whether it was knocked out of us or whether uh, the people who were living on the coast and the islands had a massive fear of the water. And oh, yeah. there was a huge, like I, I was only talking to um, my girlfriend's grandmother, who was saying like they lived in, they grew up in in Kerry, um, mm. and uh, you know they would, they'd never be let out without anyone out there. But they they go swimming very occasionally. Yeah. It wasn't a case like the huge fear of the sea. Well, there and used to be there
1: used to be a superstition that uh, fishermen shouldn't learn to swim. Yeah. Because if you so fall if,
2: in, if the sea wants to take you, the sea will take you.
1: Yeah. So when we were in school in June, there was
2: a few lads boarding from Inishir and when they would go to the swimming pool, they couldn't tell the people at home. Cause say if I was out in the island and I met the lads, I'd say, "I'm going to to They'd say, "No, no, I'm Don't tell the people on the island that I'm learning to swim in June." Yeah. No way. Yeah. So islanders were told not to learn no how to swim.
1: Because if you fall off the boat, it's because the sea wants to take. you. It's different now, I think. No it's different now, like but that was that back in the day there was there was like
2: again, that's a huge respect
1: for, fear for, like I mean if if that's your, like, that's that's the mentality of an almost kind of, it is almost kind of like a pagan worship of the sea, isn't
2: it? It is, yeah. It is a bit, Yeah. If, uh, if
1: the sea is a hungry a god, it, it gives to you and it takes from you, and you just have to be okay with that.
2: Oh, the sea is a hungry god. <laughs> 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 oh, Neptune. No,
0: oh, before we fine. get into astrology and talking about Neptune rising over Mercury, I, I, I will say you have a very interesting link with John O'Donoghue. And yeah. your storytelling, you told me the last time I was down here, was hugely inspired by and yeah. kind of malleable or made malleable by John O'Donoghue. Uh,
2: can you tell us a little bit how he helped craft your style? Yeah, well, it was around 1998, 1999, I dropped out of college in Sligo. I was in Sligo doing environmental chemistry and I loved it. And Sligo was a great time for music and I learned a lot. Of, I was playing fiddle tunes and I was learning loads of tunes and stuff. But I, t- when I got into second year of, of, of college, um, doing science, the lab work, I didn't like it. Like I was I was drinking a lot of alcohol at the time. Sometimes I was reacting with the chemicals inside in the, the labs, you know, whether we be farting or burping or whatever. So it wasn't going well and I came back. I came back down here and um, my father was home from San Francisco and i was talking to him and i was looking at other courses and i didn't have the points to do arts in galway which isn't you know, what everyone wants to do do arts in Galway or arts in ucc or and obviously i didn't have the points to get into national school teaching and you know when you're into irish music irish language you know so I, and at the time i suppose i was at that age you know when you're 19 or 20 and you drop out of college you it's it, you know the thing is you get a job in Supermax or it's go to college you yeah. know what I mean so I was trying to get into college yeah
1: trying uh, to avoid Supermax
2: yeah that's grand like look at grand or grand.
1: W- worse things yes indeed <laughs> I suppose yeah, it was, but it that was just
2: extend the but at the time yeah <laughs> and a, a neighbour of mine was just started this course and there was another lad here from Doolin, um, in County Clare called Sean a friend of mine we started this course called Heritage Studies in Galway. And it was in the RTC, and I kind of thought, oh, it could be tourism, could be shite. But my outlet said, oh, no, that's John, I He's a friend of mine, he's from Clare, he's from Fenor. I, I says, he's a priest. And he said, oh, he's more than a priest. Like, he's um, kind of like a modern-day druid, and he's all this and that. So I said, granted, give it a go. So I get in, and it was a very interesting class. There was lots of people who were very interested in mythology, archaeology, folklore, heritage from a tourism point of view of various aspects of Irish culture way ahead of its time mm. like this was in the 90s as I said so we start this anyway and I'd say within a week we were all in love with Jono he was just so I'd say it's, yeah. and he could speak fluent German and fluent Irish and he would do that he'd be telling us something and he would say and my German friend she said to me to it like that. and he would say and then the old woman from Connemara she came around the corner and she said she said, um, he said ah, Mushuk, well, you know, so he would do all this and he would say and Mrs Whitney's daughter no Mrs Houston's daughter Whitney said you know he'd be so he had this great way of, of, of orating and presenting and he had such crack and like um, if we we went on a field trip to the cage of Fields, you know oh, nice. and he knew that I had spent you know grew up in Mayo as a teenager so he'd be getting me on the front of the bus to be telling everyone about Mayo and this crack and there'd be different people butting in about football. They'd say, look, that's Henry Dixon's house, who's a Mayo footballer. I'd say, yes, Henry Dixon's house, and you can see the two stories. Yes, that's it, blending football and architecture, as only a Mayo man can do. So I'd have this crack. And then he knew my father's from Clare and that I had a connection with Claire And he encouraged that, but he encouraged all of us. And there was one time then, I think it was coming up to Christmas, we were doing the presentations. And it was great because you could either submit a paper of whatever, 5,000 words or whatever, or you could do a presentation. So we're all going to do a presentation. Now, this yeah. was before the internet was big. I remember there was a guy in the class called Jacob. I think he was German or Dutch from English, but he could type up stuff. So whenever we'd say, it was that era when you'd get someone in your class to type up your stuff, because you, you couldn't, you yeah. could. But anyway, we're doing the presentations, and there was a friend of mine, he, called Darren McLaughlin from Balneslaw, and he was doing a presentation, on, and it's actually from Balnebamba, it's small village outside of and he was doing his presentation on birds and birds watching and it was good, you know. But Jono would say to him, tell us more, darling. And he did it and he finished, you know, two minutes ahead of schedule. And Jono said, back up there now and tell us more. Something, what are you passionate about, hurling? And then, so he went from talking about, you know, thrushes and swifts, he goes, moving swiftly along. And then he started, he got real passionate and he was like, God oh, i were there. it was the night in a joke, on am went to and suddenly, he said, you see, that's it. That's what I need in your presentation. I need the passion. And he talked like that. So then, whoa. So then when I came up to do mine, I was said, I was doing it about um, as I was big into Irish music at this point, And I was talking about a night in, in Shrule where I grew up where it was music. I said, there was this great music session going on. And then the barman rang, um, he rang the bar staff and he said, put on a round of drinks there for everyone. Cause his wife had just had a baby boy inside in the hospital in Galway. So there, everyone was excited new baby boy barman in the town so there was drinks on the house and there was a big session took off and I went on to talk about this session about the old box player and about the guy who started dancing and I was telling the story and John would be there like he'd say yes and tell us more and who was up in the rafters looking down at you I'd be like oh the fairies yes and tell us more <laughs> so I'd say and then the fairies were flying around and he was like yeah, yeah give us more of that so he was he was really wow. encouraging of it And then he would give us feedback and say why he liked this and why it was magical. And he kind of helped you to tap into that bit of uh, Irish psyche that we all have it, you know. And to be honest, when you think of today the word, the crack, it means a lot of people, oh, pints. But actually, we all have a deeper thing inside us. And it's that mix of kind of subconscious creativity that comes when it's not just us talking, it's about where... The, 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 the magic inside of us is mixing. It's the subconscious soul is mixing. It's all that. And it's, it's, it's very unique to Irish, but indeed it's a global, universal thing. But I think we're very close to it, you know, as, as, yeah, as I mean. Freud and Jung would say about the various things they say about us. Because we love when we get together. It's like a session yeah. in music, but even without the actual music, the stories and the music and the crack, it's that session of the souls, you know? Mm-hmm. And John really encouraged that in a way that was way ahead of his time. And what was really interesting was, around about that time, we didn't know, it, of course, he was writing this book on Ankara, you know, and he would come in to class and he'd write on the board, landscape has presence and memory, discuss. And we'd all say, oh, the famine ridge is good. The famine ridge And before that. Yeah, the glacier, and, and he would just be going on and how does the mountains influence, why is it people from here over mountain and people from go mountain and he'd be talking about the dialects, the landscapes, the Way we talk, the music, the this, the that, going on forever. And then it was only a year or two later when it came out on Umkara. I was like, Oh, yeah, I remember the day. Oh, there, you know, it was like we had helped him. Oh, beautiful. It, wow, yeah. what a soul
0: friend indeed. Amazing. Yeah, indeed, a soul yeah, friend. Yeah, and yeah, I miss geez.
2: him so much. You know. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah, that's amazing. another legend, sure. Look at Yeah. So, yeah, so I was very, it's funny because. You know when it, when when you know so you're applying for jobs and, and lately I'd be looking at you know my storytelling CV and as well as doing the the man from Mugaga on radio or whatever I'd be looking at the education and I'd be thinking of the things and like to think that that two years of doing heritage studies and graduating from that like at the time I didn't know what I was doing in college but yeah. now it makes so much sense.
1: I think it so often like when you're talking about the story of your own life. Yeah. I think the older you get the more you realise that it makes sense in hindsight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. And it makes me feel a lot more relaxed about where I am now because I don't <laughs> know what the f- where the fuck I'm going next at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. But I also know that I felt like this in my 20s and I felt like this in my teens. And When yeah. I look back now there's a line through it all yeah. well, and there's a quite a strong through line yeah, 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 from this perspective looking back on
0: it. Sure. So it,
1: you know what I mean? Yeah. You I, just kind of trust that actually it'll be there going forward I, as hope, well. I hope
0: they're still online. The Abbey did a beautiful... Uh, Dear Ireland, and one of the letters, it was in Dear Ireland 2. One of the letters, it was just letters from people all over Ireland explaining how they felt about the lockdown. Mm. And one of them was a story of some a woman in her mid-30s thinking that she was back to feeling like she was 18 again. And all that anxiety of not knowing where she's going. And we said, we were talking about earlier, about like, filling out forms, trying to fit into boxes and trying to, you know, the scatty brains get kind of penalised. Yep. Mm. But they're the creative brains as well. It's and hard
1: to have a messy head in a world that
0: isn't built for it. Sometimes, no. But that's, mm. yeah. And we're now in this like, but, but the world is now a mess. All of the joining and the dots and all the boxes, they're all up in fucking air. And so all the people who are logistically good at putting things into boxes anyway and the forms and doing that, everything's gone messy. So now we're at a really exciting turning point where I think innovators, creators, you know, strategical thinkers, thinkers, divergent thinkers, have a chance now to to remould society a bit more, to kind of go, actually, we want more landscape in our lives. We want to be seeing the sea. I want to connect with the things I'm growing and, and eating mm. and, and, and being able to be in the land, as well as as well as be able to talk about the things I want to talk about, which is for mm. me, uh, and probably you, if you're listening to it, you know, <laughs> myths and legends and and stories and whatever it is doing the things creating a life where your hobbies and your interests are are your life opposed yeah. to mm-hmm. fo- f- trying to plan out a way of being in an office to afford to make that as a hobby maybe now we're at a point where people go my hobby is my life my life is the I thing mean, i'm supposed to be yeah. doing so, and
1: i i think you know the the world is going through an incredibly destructive Period of time, I think not just this year, but like mm. in the last several years, you know, globally Possibly. around the world, there have been, there has been a huge amount of destructiveness and divisiveness and cruelty and nastiness, and the other side of destruction is creation always, mm-hmm. because destruction clears out, mm. as painful as it is. Sure, it sure. is a part of you know. There's a, there's a there's a bigger kind of cycle at work. And yeah, I think it's, it's like the story that you like of the, of the black dog and the weaving, you know. Ah, every... uh, which one? Mother doing the Ocht <laughs> Well, well
0: there's, you know an the Irish, Irish, there's an yeah. Irish black dog story and then there's... Um, there's uh, a Native American black Native dog. Michael, dog. Told
1: by... Michael Mead, is Meade. where you got it from. That's where I got it from. How um, do I know the name Michael Mead? Uh, he's
0: an amazing storyteller. Where's he from? Up north? America. American. American.
1: Oh, he's American. My brother introduced
0: me. To Does him. he
2: do a bit of acting as well?
0: <laughs> I don't know. He might. He might. Is there a Michael Meat? Was a cycle. Was of a... one
2: of the lads in Wayne's World. Called Michael. <laughs> Mead. They're doing a new Michael. Uh, not Michael Meat. They're doing a new Wayne's World. Anyway, it um, it
0: No, it, it's it's the black dog. Is that story of like no matter what's knitted together. It Always gets ripped apart, but then you can have a chance to knit it back together again,
1: and you knit it better every and time. You knit it better every is day. the point, and it is that kind of thing of like it's an upward cycle that's the evolutionary principle is that there's there's always creative and de- creation and destruction, and every time you, you have that chance to recreate, you have a chance to do it better because you always do. Like, it's like mm. telling a story. And you, know, you tell like, a story once And you'll, it'll be great And then you'll go Actually the next time I do that I'm going to add something in
0: And I only heard you tell that story Recently enough And I heard you tell it again It was better And the moral of that story If I want to look for one or, or pick one out Is that The story The bit of music in it That was told It wasn't the right one Turned out to be the nice one Because it was recreated After your man had gone away yeah, And yeah, died yeah. Totally So like the absence of him we, the, the, the song needed that bit of sadness Yeah And yeah. so Oh yeah. Now that he's gone We need that bit of sadness and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Our, our our grow for the tragic, our grow for the landscape that makes you cry because it's so fucking beautiful that you need something to, to like to turn the knife a little, a little
1: bit. You need a little bit of pain. Yeah, because it
0: brings you back to <laughs> but feeling you. Yeah, it brings but we you do. back into the human condition. <laughs> condition yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, uh,
1: yeah.
0: Oh. I think we've come to our end. I think we'll we leave it there since we so graciously came to a nice bit of yeah. quiet. Andreas, thanks so much. Oh.
1: <laughs> thanks, William.
0: Oh. Thanks for bringing the spuds. Thanks of for cooking us with right. fish. Yeah. Mm. yeah. No, we leave lovely, it there. So. Lovely
1: day. And, uh, gorgeous to talk
0: to you. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We really enjoyed that chat with Andreas. If you like what we do and you'd want to leave a review, we would love that too. So if you want to share this podcast, give us a thumbs up, follow the links below to follow more about Andreas the Stack and all his great work in storytelling, as well as the links to our web pages, social media and our Patreon. If you want to go to patreon.com forward slash Tales to see what we do, you can give us some support there. So that's it from now. Next week, we'll be having some sound-based stories. So tune in. We have lots to discuss. We might even have a special guest to discuss these things with. And uh, there's some very exciting things in the pipeline. So stay tuned. Keep an eye out. And keep the thumbs going. Thank you.